Christmas time is right around the corner, and this is my favorite time of the year. I wanted to make you aware of one of the resources that you can get through the No Higher Calling shop, and that is Great Hymns for Growing Hearts, Christ the Savior is Born. This is a beautiful four-week Advent hymn study that teaches the story behind four beloved Christmas carols. While singing the carols together as a family, you'll learn more about the character of God through heart-probing questions, discussion prompts, family activities, and more. This is an Advent resource that you will want to add to your family lineup as you seek to prepare your hearts and homes for Christmas and keep Christ center in all that you do this holiday season. Find this resource at www.knowhighercalling.org. ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. I am joined by my husband, Simeon, on Hello. this episode. Sim, I always love when you join me for these podcast episodes and sneak peek. More of that will be coming in the future. We have some announcements coming on some exciting stuff coming for 2024 as we have just really broadened our vision to try to encourage and equip families to pass truth to the next generation. And as we hear from so many um, wives, husbands, moms, and dads saying that they need that in their lives, I know that we do. And it challenges us to prepare things to share with you. Um, and so Simeon's been joining me really over the past couple months, a little more frequently, talking about a variety of different subjects. I'm taking over. <laughs> He's not taking <laughs> over. Don't worry, ladies. This is still very much women-centric. Um, we'll just sprinkle a little more Simeon in here and there um, and make it applicable for you as well as for your husband. So uh, with that being said, this is a great episode to listen with your man. So if you can pull him in, grab him, and listen to it together, if it is not the best time, you may just want to put this on pause and wait till you can listen to it together. Um, But this is a conversation that we have had just multiple times in many different ways over the past few years, and several things that I have been reading recently and listening to have brought the topic of creating a family culture back uh, up to my mind and to our conversations. And so we decided that it was high time that we tackle this topic on the podcast. Um, Sam, I'll kind of let you introduce the topic and clarify what exactly it is that we're talking about. And we'll just jump in from there. Sure. I think um, it might be better put crafting a family culture. Um, We'll kind of get into it in a little bit, but everybody has a family culture, whether you intend to or not. And then the idea that we want to hopefully get across today is the importance of being intentional about the culture that your family has. Um, And so we're going to kind of get into some things about how you can steer your family in a particular way and what, what you want your family culture to be like. But what is a family culture, I guess, is what we need to get into first. And um, the what do you think of when you think of home, really, is what it comes down to. What kind of things take place in your home? When you were a child, 
what do you remember your home being like? Was it a happy place? Was it an angry place? Was it a loud place, a quiet place? So what do you, what do you remember about that home? Because that was the culture that that home had. And so today, really what we're trying to get into is just to have a chat about being intentional about the culture that your home has. When I think of family culture, there are some words that come to mind. I um, mean, you, know, you have your values, your vision, um, like Simeon says, what makes you, you, your interests? I love Sally Clarkson, and one of her children was asked about their childhood one time growing up in the Clarkson home, and she made a comment, something to the effect of, you know, the Clarksons are French toast on Saturday mornings. That's what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, we'll broaden that spectrum to to encompass spiritual things and hobbies and a variety of things. Um, but it's, you know, when your kids leave your home and they reflect on their growing up years in your home, their childhood, uh, what do they think about I heard someone say at one time that it this family culture really creates a vernacular for the invisible um, and that it gives every member the vocabulary to use and understand what you are about. Recently, we sat down with our kids and they're pretty little, but we sat down with them at dinner and we asked them that we said, when you think about the Brazzles, what do you think about? Uh, you know, what do, what do we like to do? What are things that we invest our time and our money in? And it was really fun to see some of their ideas, what they came up with. Um, some of them, I think, were kind of tracking along with us. You know, we read all the time. Books when they weren't came being up. silly. Yeah. Some of their answers were quite silly. But. Uh, books came up. Homemade pizza came up, I think. Uh, walks in the woods came up. Um, and then that led us into really some fun conversations sharing some of our childhood family culture. I don't think um, necessarily either of our families had like crafted a specific family culture in this kind of sense. Share what you told me the other day. This is off script, but to share what you told me the other day about um, about families having dinner. Oh, okay. This is coming up in a future podcast episode at some point, but it's far enough out that we'll touch on it now. Um, I, I can't remember the exact statistic. I've came across this information multiple times, um, but it was sharing a statistic of people that grow up, children that grow up to become adults who are, um, you know, in jail, who are on drugs, uh, teen pregnancy, things like this characterize their lives and how when they looked back and did research and took polls into their childhood, um, the number corresponding with the people that grew up into that kind of adult lifestyle so often, one of the key missing factors in their childhood was the family table, was eating dinner uh, with both parents present, siblings together, um, at least just, I think it was just several times a week. Um, so this season, this wasn't even an everyday thing. This was just a few times a week having family dinner together. Um, the impact that that had on the future generations. And during the, the course of our conversation, when you were telling me about the statistic, um, I, I think I mentioned something to the effect of the conversation led to the idea of it's not dinner. It's not the food or the fact that you're sitting at a table. It's that you're actually spending real time with your family members. And dinner is just a convenient time to do that, or in these people's case, an inconvenient time to do that. Um, but the point is that th the family culture is developed somewhere and somehow. Um, you may have a house culture and not a family culture. 
because your family doesn't operate like a family. It's more like a bunch of people living in a house together. Um, and that can be an easy temptation to fall into, especially as men, most of us, we work so much. I mean, even me with the church plant and with the website stuff and all the stuff I've got going on, I, I work a lot. And if I'm not careful, and, and thankfully you're really good about reminding me like, hey, you haven't hung out with the kids today and, and that kind of thing. But it's really easy for us men, especially, to allow our families to be more like roommates than we are like family. When I came across that statistic in the book that I was reading just most recently, um, it was really in the context of the person making the point that one of the simplest things that you can do really in the broad scheme of family culture is just eating dinner together. And, you know, I've heard people talk about uh, creating a family culture and all these different things before. Um, You know, some people have... You know, they have it on a plaque hanging in their kitchen. Um, some people have, you know, a mantra that they recite every morning before breakfast. And, you know, you do you. Every family's different. And that's why we're talking about creating your own unique family culture. But sometimes when I, I think especially when I first approached this topic and heard that kind of information when coming to the idea of a family culture, it felt so stiff to me, like I, I know myself, I know my husband, he's not going to sit down and quote some like family creed every morning over Yeah, that's not my style. Um, you know, so, but the more that we really chatted about this and made this apply to our family, um, the more we prayed through this and had these discussions, I feel like the more the Lord just kind of brought up things that are important to us, um, which led us to a mission statement. And then that really out of that mission statement, we crafted a family culture statement. And this is not something that you will see anywhere in our home. This is not something that we say, um, but it's just a, a statement really for us just to kind of keep our our family in check. Um, just something where we have outlined who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Yeah, I think it's it's important to have an anchor point. Um, in business, they tell you to have a routine or something you do when you first get to the office that sets you up for the day, even if it's something as simple as the first thing you do is get a cup of coffee. But you, it, you do it every single day, and it's because it's an anchor point that ties you into now I'm starting work, if you will. Um, and I think it's just as important, if not way, actually, in fact, it's way more important that you have an anchor point for your family. And for most people, the easiest place for that to be is dinner, that you you have dinner every day. As a family, it's an anchor point. That doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't occasionally happen where somebody misses dinner, okay? But it needs to be, everyone is, is expecting to be for dinner. If someone's not there, it's unusual um, because it's the anchor point for the whole family. It's where you set the important parts of your lives are set at that time because you know everyone's going to be there. Um, whether that's dinner or whether that's another time of the day, you need an anchor point. And I think the main reason for that is it's children need security. They need a structure. They need structure. They need a focus. Um, and even when they get older and as they get older, especially the more chaotic their lives become, the more responsibilities they begin to take on for themselves. Everybody wants a trajectory. Everybody wants to know, what path am I on? Where is it headed? 
what step do I take next? Yeah. And I think that's one of the the the, the, the famous phrases, uh, a man's home is his castle, right? That's the that's the phrase. A man's home is his castle. The reason why is a man, when he comes home from work, he needs a place that's his, that he can settle down, that's safe, that's secure. The exact same thing is true with kids. And the older they get, the more responsibilities they have, the more chaotic their life becomes. They need a place that is safe, that is secure, that is their castle. And that that um, that place should be home. It ought to be the routines and the the things that you've developed in your home, not just routines, but the things that they feel safe in, the beliefs that your family has, the hobbies your family has, the general culture that your family has ought to be something that they feel safe in. The just reality of our culture and society today is there are so many distractions, um, things pulling you in every direction. And I fully understand that life is lived in seasons and different seasons bring different things, bring different interests, bring different hobbies and all of this. Um, but we're really just talking about this underlying current of, of stability, of intentionality, of setting this trajectory um, as, as the parent, as the husband and wife saying, this is the, this is the role, this is the core value of our family, this is our purpose. And then out of that, when you, once you establish that purpose, what does God have for our family? Um, then many of these things sort themselves out and it gives you clarity as you're trying to walk this path of life. And what do we say yes to? What do we say no to? What do we give our time to? What do we give our money to? Um, you know, what do we want to have our children grow up and look back and remember with fond memories um, of home? You know, I think you can make this as big and fancy or as simplistic as you want it. But the point here that we're trying to make is that this is a very important, worthwhile conversation that we think husband and wives need to have. Um, what is our mission as a family? What is the purpose God's created us for? And then what do we want to make up the Brazzles, the Smiths, the Joneses? Um, just b- being intentional about that, having that conversation as as the the leader of the home and the help me of the home and really setting that clear trajectory for your household. Your your family's culture is is going to be based on the individuals that are in your family too. And that's another thing to keep in mind is you don't get to dictate what your kids like and don't like. Um you can you can influence it, but you don't get to dictate it. So your family culture is going to look different depending on who is in your family. There are things that Brittany and I do that we don't necessarily like to do. And there are things that our kids do that they don't necessarily like to do because other kids like to do them or because we like to do them. The point is that your family culture is is different based on the mix that you have. If you have another kid, your family culture is going to change slightly because that that person's impact on the culture is going to adjust that that culture. But there are underlying values and things that you that are very important to you because you are hopefully mainly because you are a Christian. Then there's other things because you are an Australian or an American. And then there's other things because you are whatever ethnicity you are. And there's a lot of things involved in there that make up what your culture looks like. So much plays into that. And that was good that you mentioned that. And you know, sometimes, um, like I was talking about seasons, sometimes the season changes and that 
it leads you to trying something new and realizing, hey, we really like this. We want to make this um, a part of us. Or, you know, I think sometimes, especially as women, there is the pressure of social media. You know, you see the uh, the crafty mom. I'm not her. You know, you see the baking mom. I am her. Uh, you see the gardening mom. Oh, I'd love to be her. But the reality is my family culture cannot be dictated by what everybody else is doing. And you can't do everything. No, you can't. And you know what? Uh, we'll dabble in flowers here and there and they'll die. And we'll murder them. <laughs> but, um, you know, so you can attempt things, try a variety of things. There is a feast of things out there. We name our kids uh, after gardens because we can't garden ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I can grow children. That's about it. Um, but the point is here, you know, when you're thinking about what interests do we have, what do we want to spend our time on, what do we want to make up our family culture, um, you know, you let go of the social pressures of, well, I need to conform to this, or I need to look like that, or it's really cool or trendy to be this, um, and just, this is this is a you and your husband, this is a intimate family thing, and every family is going to look different, but I really, let's transition a little bit into talking about this mission statement portion. Um, because I think sometimes in this conversation, you jump straight into family culture and miss the mission statement. But for us, our family culture statement is g- developed and grown out of our mission statement. So so what do we mean by mission statement? How do we get that? How do we know our role as a family? What you want for your family to accomplish. That ought to be your mission statement. What is it that you want? What is your goal? What is it that you want your family to accomplish? Now, most of us are just like, look, I'm just trying to survive with all these kids. Like, <laughs> just trying to live, and I hope they all grow without anybody dying. Like that's, and that, and a lot of time, that's how you feel. But I think a lot of that comes from a lack of having an overarching goal in mind. Sometimes the survival mode kicks in. Because we are aimless and we don't have a have a goal. So the mission statement is kind of a way for you to express what is the obviously it's not happening every day. What is the overarching goal for our family? When my kids leave my house, what do I want them to accomplish with their lives? I'm not gonna make them a pastor or make them a plumber or make them anything. God's gonna use them however he wants to use them. But what am I going to do to make sure they accomplish the goal that we've trained them to accomplish, no matter what God uses them for? I think backing up even from, okay, so when we talk about family, you know, we're talking about husband, wife, children. Let's back up. Um, You know, what's the mission statement for your marriage? What, What, as an individual, why was I created? What is your purpose? What is my purpose? It's a long-term look is what it is. That's Establish the- that in your heart and mind. If you don't know, ask God to reveal that for you. Um, then if you are married or if you are in pursuit of marriage, you need to ask that as a couple. Why are we getting married? What is the purpose of our marriage? Um, because as a Christian, it's so much more than, you know, just reproduction or uh, filling a void or finding joy, you know, no, God has a purpose, an eternal purpose for your marriage. What is that? And then if God so blesses your home with children, that's where we're coming to with this family mission statement of, okay, now we are a husband and a wife that have children. What is our purpose as a family? Why has God created us? For us, 
That's a very unique purpose that I doubt many of others have, um, unless you're a missionary family from America listening in Australia, um, which I only know of like one or two young families that might tick that box right now. Um, but that in this season where God has us in our lives, that is our purpose. And that does dictate a lot of our family mission. Um, but that may not be yours. And I'm not even saying that you have to be um, called to full-time ministry to have this resolute purpose, this intentional, you know, we were created to do this. Um, I believe that if you are a believer, we all have a ministry that we are called to. Um, that might be a pastor of a church. That might be a faithful layman and church member. Um, but I think all of us as believers really need to take that intentional look individually in our marriages and in our family. And what is our God-given purpose? If you want to see a, a mission statement uh, in real time, we've as, as independent Baptist missionaries, we have been in hundreds of churches. And I can tell you that every single one of those churches had a unique culture to that church. That church's culture was unique. And the reason why that church's culture is unique is because that church's mission was different from every other church because that mission was that those people's uh, the, the people in that church, the church was comprised of different people, if that makes sense. And they had a different pastor and they had different leadership. Some of those churches were incredibly missions focused and that was the, their heart. And then you could tell that that's what they were passionate about because their mission was to do missions. And other churches were passionate about deep study of the word of God. And, and so it, the, the mission statement, if you will, is just a way of summarizing what is the central focus that I want my family, what do I want my family to accomplish in the long term? This isn't something you're going to do overnight or something that's going to be accomplished in two weeks. We're not talking about goal setting. We're talking about the overarching focus of your life, of your family's of life. Family. What do you want that to be? I think of, I think of people like, like Jonathan Edwards. Um, what an amazing person. And what an amazing thing that his family and his children accomplished over centuries. His descendants did amazing things. How do you think that happened? It didn't happen overnight. It happened because they had a, a passionate family culture that cultivated greatness. And, and that's what we're really getting at. So why don't you just go ahead and share what our family mission statement is um, and then, so that'll give a little more clarity there. And then as we kind of transition into talking specifically more about crafting a family culture, um, we'll kind of use these statements here to transition from mission statement to family culture a little more. So our family mission statement is quite simple. It just reads, the Brazzles love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they serve out of the overflow of that love. So that is our mission. That is our purpose. That is what Simeon and I have prayed through. And you know, these these aren't like etched in stone as, as life goes on, as we hopefully continue to walk the road of sanctification. We may tweak that here and there, um, but we really feel like overarching, setting that trajectory, looking at that path, that is our purpose, to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength. Obviously, that's taken straight from the Bible um, and to serve him out of the overflow of that, because we love him, we serve him, we give him our lives. So that is our mission statement. So let's transition into talking specifically about family culture. So this is, 
I don't want to say it's less spiritual because I still feel like so much of it is... It's just an application. It's how you plug your actual real life into the statement that you've made. Yes. Okay, so just give our family family culture statement and then we'll unpack that a little bit and then we'll just really dig into talking some about crafting a family culture statement. All right, so here's our, our family culture or value statement. We delight in things that are excellent, God's creation, good literature... Christ honoring music, hospitality to others, and unity among our family. So if you if you break all of that down, it seems like a long list of things, but if you break all of that down, all of it plugs into the mission statement, which again was the Brazzles love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they serve out of the overflow of that love. That, that phrase, serving out of the overflow, is kind of the emphasis of what comes after that. We delight in things that are excellent. And so we're recognizing the excellence of God. We love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind, and all our strength. As we're doing that, we're recognizing the excellence of God. That actually came out of a verse in Philippians talking about approving things that are excellent. Right, approving things that are excellent. And um, but the idea of the of the family culture statement there is that because we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, strength we see the excellence in everything he does. And so our desire is to love those excellent things, to give ourselves to those excellent things. I think sometimes as a family, and I've referenced this in other podcast episodes, our pastor in the States always said that taking the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad, but between the good and the best. Um, You know, as families, it's pretty clear to see, okay, this is good for our family. This is bad for our family. These are the choices that we'll make. But it gets a lot more difficult when you're making choices between what is good and what is best for your family. Um, And that's where so much of this family culture statement, uh, just having an idea or whatever, you know, you want to come up with really helps set that clear path forward for your family. Because when we're talking about, okay, you know, not every moment of every day are we going to be on this like vigorous pursuit of excellence. Uh, we, we enjoy relaxing. We enjoy vegging out. We enjoy, uh, you know, those things just like everybody else. But the overarching culture of our family is approving these things that are excellent. Um, what does our family repeatedly enjoy? And, you know, this has been something that I feel like as a couple, we've been really kind of working on longer than we actually had these words to structure it. Um, so we kind of took a look at the past couple of years, you know, we have been trying to remove things, uh, remove things that were just good, mediocre, um, and replacing them with things that were best for our family. And it was yeah. out of that. I think a good example of that is the bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just remove anything that's not necessary. Oh, my and... bookshelf is full of excellence. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously. So so we looked, what, what is our family value? What do we spend our time doing? Uh, God's creation. We love to be out in nature. Um, some of our kids love that more than others. Uh, you know, Simi enjoys that a little more than I do. I've come a long, long way. Um, but as long as it doesn't, none of it gets on you. You're right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as long as my kids keep the bugs and slugs in their hands and not on mama. Um, no, but we we have learned to appreciate that as a family. And hey, if it's family adventure day and we're trying to decide what are we going to do, um, more often than not, if the choice is a nature choice, we're going to go to the beach. We're going to be out hiking. Um, we're going to be exploring nature. We just recently went on a family camping trip. Um, you know, 
when we, I, I told Simeon, I think while we were camping, I was like, you know, I would still prefer an all-inclusive resort, but you know, this is pretty great too. We only had to resuscitate her <laughs> once when she saw the big spider, but. Well, camping is much more affordable than an all-inclusive resort. But <laughs> all that to say, like our, our family values being out in nature. And so it was just a natural thing that we would go camping together. Good literature. We've already joked about books. Our house is full of books. Um, we love that. So much of our time is spent listening to audiobooks together. Uh, Simeon reads to the kids in the evening. I read to the kids all during the day. We read um, on our own. Um, Christ-honoring music. You'll hear that playing through our home all the time. I've written a hymn study for families. Um, it's just, it's a part, it's a Part of the fabric of who the Brazzles are. And real evidence of that is uh, the fact that we, you know, we read all the time and we read to the kids all the time, but uh, Eden just, just the other day burned through a half an inch thick chapter book for kids that you were going to read her. Actually, I think it was like an inch and a half. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. <laughs> it was very large. And she burned through it in like a day and a half. And you were supposed to be reading that to them over the next like week and a half and um well so much for that because but she loves books why though and it's not like she just was born loving books it's been a part of the culture because that's what we care about well and as parents like Simeon said earlier we we aren't going to force our kids like oh you have no choice you will become avid readers um no it's just a natural thing it is I, I mean when story time with daddy is like the highlight of the day when we're lost in, you know, all the beautiful plants and the bugs and, you know, even some of the creepy crawly things that we see, you know, it just, it, it weaves itself into the fabric of who they are, some more than others, depending on personalities and differences. Um, but it just, it becomes a part of who you are. And, you know, I think really a part of how you were brought up can kind of influence some of who you are as an adult, um, sometimes that can be really good. I think there are things that we've brought from our childhood, from our families. Um, your family grew up playing games. You've brought that into our family culture, um, especially as our kids are getting a little bit older, especially our oldest. Um, board games are going to be a part of their memories of being a Brazzle. Um, you know, different things like that. But then you might look back and be like, well, I, I did not have a great childhood. I did not have parents that invested. Um, but that does not have to dictate your parenting. Um, if anything, that can just show you, hey, look, this is what I do not want. This is how I want to be different. This is how um, I want to change. And, and not out of a heart of of bitterness and resentment, but just as like, look, we're a new family. We're a fresh start. Um, we're moving forward from here. What you don't want, though, is for any. You're, you don't want your family culture to be developed by accident because if your family culture is developed by accident, or in other words, it's, you don't, you're not purposeful about how your family's culture develops. If you're not purposeful about it, then it's going to be developed by accident. And what's going to happen is the bad traits are going to be the focus rather than the good ones. And you don't want that. Well, I have a quote here from Ainsley Arment from the Wild and Free Family. She said, if you do not choose your own family culture, one will be assigned to you by society at large. Whoever has the influence over your kids. Because the point of the family culture is that you want to be the one to have the influence over your kids. You want your family to be the one to have the influence over your kids. And if you're not intentional about it, someone else will have in, have the influence over your kids. They will influence the culture of your home. Uh, another thing Ainsley said that I thought was really good is just how that kind of this 
um, intentional family purpose, this family culture really acts as the North star for your family. It is, it is the guide. It is the, the shining light that keeps you moving forward on a particular path. And I really like that mental picture because we're going to get into uh, talking a little bit about family culture and crafting that and all of that. Um, but, but that's really what we have seen as we have kind of taken the things that have been going on in our family, the things we've been weeding out, the things we've been giving priority to. Um, I know we didn't touch too much on hospitality and unity, but those are things that we've been really working on, you know, again, like I said, weaving into that tapestry of Brazel, um, but really just helping to um, really just define and give clarity to, to our family, to our schedules, to um, what we deem important. And that starts with you being intentional and, and, and stopping long enough, sitting down and writing down what are the things that our family truly values. The easiest way to figure that out is probably to take a look at your bank statement <laughs> because you can see what you value based on what you spend your money on. The other way you can take a look is you can take a look at your calendar um, because where you're spending most of your time is what you value. Um, now, that may not necessarily mean if you're at work that you value work. If you go to work, it may be because you value your family enough to work to earn money. Like that's that's understandable. But my point is, what do you value? Not just you personally, but what does your family value? What do, you, what do you spend your time on? What do you spend your money on? What do you talk about around the table if you have dinner together at all? What do you talk about? Um, what is the focal point of your energy? What, that that for me, that's how I can tell what at any given time I'm I care about. Where is my energy going? You mentioned where is your money going. I, I promise I'm not gonna make this my hobby horse. But we are at almost a year of being TV free in our home. We've done some episodes talking about that. Um You can but, afford a lot when you're not paying a cable bill. <laughs> you know, people ask me, how are you able to have so many books, whether it's my own personal library or the library that we've invested in for our children? And yeah, some of it is a splurge. Um, again, it's part of our family culture. So what's important to you, you tend to have money for. Um, but the reality is where once we had monthly charges for Disney Plus, for Netflix, you know, for all those different things that were going out, um, we removed that from our expenses and we had freedom to reappropriate those funds. And a lot of that decision of that initial came out of some of these discussions of what is important? What do we want to be a part of our family? And some of it us, came from some rude wake-up calls from stuff that was happening in culture, too. Yeah. But Well, we just, we realized that, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that we're never going to have a TV. Um, we have laptops. We have phones. We still watch things from time to time. It's a little more inconvenient. Um, but, Which is you know, a good thing. We still have the occasional movie night uh, with all, what, six, almost seven of us piled around a laptop. Uh, and, and we have fun, but... But the focal point of our home is no longer technology. Um, it is now books. And that is just that is just one example. Um, but I, I do feel like it is a good example, and it is kind of countercultural. Um, but we have just seen great fruit from that in our lives. You know, it, it has freed us up to pursue some of these excellent things, whether that is read-alouds in the evening with Daddy or, you know, feeling like we have more time, you know, he's able to get some work done in the evenings to free up one day a week where we can go out on these family adventures and hike. Um, 
You know, we we can invest in hospitality and not have everything centered around a screen uh, because it's not there. It's centered around our family table, and that is a natural thing for our children. Um, they're being trained in how you sit, how you converse, and we're, we're far from perfect. Um, but that is the norm for them because we aren't scarfing our food down while we're watching a show or rushing off to um, catch something. So that's just a practical example. Um, but let's just ask a few questions here about, okay, so if you want to try to start figuring out, well, what, what are our family values? Um, how do we figure this out? Just a few questions to ask as you kind of start that. Okay. So I, I, I had started touching on this somewhat, but what are the core values that define who you are as a family? And it doesn't have to be who you are. It can be who you wish you were who, what kind of person, what kind of family you, you wish you had. I'm not asking for you to come up with your, you know, your cookie cutter, Betty Crocker family here. We're talking about, you know, you're looking at your family, your core beliefs, assess your Christian life. First of all, what matters to you? For us, a big part of our life is church, not just because I'm a pastor, but even before I was a pastor, three times a week, that's what we did. That That's part of our family's culture. Um, so what are your core values? What are the things you spend your money on? That kind of stuff. Um, and then what would you hope that other people would describe your family to be like? One of the most impactful stories I think my pastor tells is he tells a story about going to a friend's house that was his baseball coach. Um, his baseball coach's son was on his team when he was little and he went to his house and for the rest of his life, when he got married, he told his wife, I want to have a Christian home because he spent just a few hours in this man's house and knew that there was something different about that household. That's the culture that that family had. It was significantly different than anything he'd ever experienced before. So what do you hope other people describe your family like? What's the favorite thing? What's your favorite thing about your family? Men, what do you look forward to coming home to? That's part of your family's culture. Um, what are the specific interests that your family has or what gifts do your, does your family have and talents? Um, what makes you different from other families? These are all things just to spur your thoughts. Where do you like to spend your, your time as a family, not individually, as a family? Uh, adventuring, reading, cooking, hiking, surfing, whatever it is that your family does together. Um, those are some things to think about and you can kind of include those in what your culture is like as you're just brainstorming that. Um, you know, you can really be a visionary when you come to this. We mentioned earlier, you know, some of this might tweak and change as you continue on, as you add more kids, as your kids get older. Um, I'd encourage you if you have children, they're a little bit older. I mean, our oldest is almost seven, so they're not that old. Um, but, you know, we had the conversation, what, what do we enjoy together? What do we like to do? What do you love about our family? But this conversation can develop even more if you have older children. You know, you might think like, oh, well, I have teenagers. It's too late to try to set this family culture. Um, it's never too late. Uh, have this conversation. Look back. What are things that, that make you you? What are things that they enjoy? Um, you know, Simeon talked about uh, the husband. What do you look forward to coming home to? But think about your kids. You know, one day they're going to leave the nest. And what is going to draw them back? What is going to be those things that that they think of? I mentioned, uh, you know, the Clarkson's French toast. But I hope, 
you know, with my kids, it's, uh, you know, mom's homemade cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. Now, whether that actually draws them to my house on Christmas morning or not. It'd draw me to your house on Christmas morning. <laughs> well, you're never allowed to leave my house on Christmas morning. I, I guess I can allow them to. Um, but you know what? Even Even if it doesn't draw them back, even if their lives take them wherever it takes them, um, I, I hope that on Christmas morning, they always think of mom's cinnamon rolls. Or when they think of the sounds of home, that they think of instrumental hymns. When they think of the taste of home, um, that, you know, the taste and smell of homemade fresh bread. I mean, that's who we are. That may not be who you are, but that's who we are. And I hope that that just becomes such an ingrained part of who they are, that maybe one day they'll pass these down to my grandchildren. And maybe they'll start some of their own completely new things. Well, tradition, they, tradition is part of culture. Yeah. Every yeah. every even national culture, every national culture has its own sets of traditions. We had somebody ask us if we were going to celebrate 4th of July. We're like, we're in Australia. No, we're not going to celebrate 4th of July. Nobody they'd think we're crazy over here. Well, one but, you can't do fireworks here. Yeah, yeah. Uh two, nobody else is doing fireworks here, so you can't even go watch it. Three, it's like in the winter. And yeah. <laughs> for our first Fourth of July, it was raining in the winter. Yeah. So it was like, but, I mean, what are we, what what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> but my point is, yeah, cultures have traditions, right? So your family will have its own sets of traditions, things like cinnamon rolls on Sunday morning. How did that happen? That that started before we even had kids because I love cinnamon rolls, and then so that started with me. But now it's grown and it's part of our family's. You know, it's ingrained. It's a tradition. But it's all it all is all your traditions are going to are going to be a, a, a reflection of what your culture is like, your family's culture. The traditions are a reflection of the society that that exists. And so this society, this family has its own traditions and yours are going to be different. You try to copy somebody else's. It's probably not going to work for you anyway. Yeah. And we've talked about seasons. And I think sometimes when you come to this, you have to realize that there are times where you just have to adjust and embrace um, you know, I am a very type A, I'm a perfectionist. So I am the type that like, I want to craft the perfect statements like the first time and we never deviate from these because they're perfect. Like if it's perfect, what needs changed? That's not the reality of life. Um, you know, sometimes you've got chronic illnesses or special needs or, you know, just the, so many different things that can impact the dynamics of a family. Um, and you may feel like, okay, what we once were, we're trying to find our footing of what we now are. Um, you know, we had this international move. We're coming up on a holiday season. And in a lot of ways, we're having to adjust and embrace um, some new traditions, some some different things, because we don't have our family. You know, we have our immediate family, but we don't have our extended family. So much of Christmas Eve of what the Brazzles did and who we are and what our children are accustomed to and expect um, was all rooted in Simeon's mom and things that she did. Well, here we are, our first Christmas in Australia, and I don't have that. Um, so I'm thinking through, okay, what what are we going to do? What are we going to start? And again, I, that can adjust, that can change, we're going to embrace change, um, but we are upon change now. And so I have put some time and thought into how are we going to make this special? What is this going to look like now? It's going to be different. Yes, it's not going to be what we're used to, um, but I, I am excited about it. And there is a podcast episode coming very soon where I'm going to share what we're doing. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. Um, but just remembering to just give yourself the freedom 
to not feel like once you set this that you're just confined. You know, just enjoy life. Really, all of this is not something so rigid and structured to keep you pinned in. It's to help free you to enjoy. And Simeon talked about that. You know, when you have a clear family mission statement and a clear culture, it really helps you to decision make. I guess not only as a husband and wife, but when your kids understand these are things that are important to us, um, it it alleviates some of that. Well, mom, well, dad. A long time ago, we had an episode about budgeting your income. Um, this is the budget for your family's decision making, right? Well, You're, really, too, the budget for your family's time. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. You only have so much time, and. What you what your family values is what your family is going to spend its time on. So your family values statement, the focus that your family is going to take. It, again, it doesn't have to be perfect because as things change, just like with your budget, as your income changes, your budget has to make adjustments and things, and your expenditures change. And but with with your family, you have the set you have a set amount of time that doesn't change, but your kids get older. And your values change and your life's circumstances change. I have less time now than I have ever had. And yet I spend more time with my kids now than I think I ever have. You go figure that one out. Um, but it's because it's what's important. Yes. I feel like clarifying as a couple, what is important has helped us prioritize and, has freed us in a lot of ways. There's there, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, you know, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? But let's just go through a couple things that having this clear trajectory helps with. Um, and we've touched on this all throughout this episode, but just to kind of recap here at the end, um, you know, what do we spend our money on? We talked about that a little bit with, with our books. You know, what is important to you? You you only have so much money. Um, and you know, we're all families. We're all going to want to take the family vacations. We're going to want to, uh, splurge our kids with gifts, um, you know, to spoil them and different things. But, but what do we spend our money on? We've spent an obscene amount of money trying to get here to Australia to stay here. (laughs) Why? Because it's top priority. I mean, it's, it's, it's the main mission of our life right now. That's why. Otherwise we would be insane to spend the amount of money that we have to do Well, again, that is rooted in our mission. If yeah. we were not concrete that that was our mission, we wouldn't have spent all that money. No, there's no way. I'd, I I would have to literally have been an insane person to spend the amount of money we have trying to be here. But it's because it's important. That's It's important to us, to our family. You know, we also have Christmas coming up. Um, so part of, of this, what is our family value, uh, is reflected really in the Christmas gifts that our kids ask for and the Christmas gifts that we choose to to give them, um, the things that they enjoy. Another one is what are your rules regarding technology? What place does technology hold in your family values? Um, and then when you determine what, what place it holds, then you can out of that really develop some rules for your family. On, you know, okay, when do we watch? How much do we watch? What do we watch? Determining that. Your do's, don'ts, and maybes are always determined by what your values are. Even in society, a society has laws based on its values. When its values change, its laws change. And the same thing is true of your family. When your family values change, the rules and regulations that your family abides by, whether they're set in stone or not, will change. 
Another one is, you know, how do you want to spend your vacations? Um, vacations are kind of out of the norm. Those are happen, you know, on the rarity. Maybe, you know, maybe you're blessed to have it once a year. Maybe it's once every couple years. Um, with If you're looking at it like that, then you only have a handful of them really with your children before they leave. But these are kind of out of the norm highlights. And, um, you know, not, not that I don't think that the normal every day, sometimes that's even more special than, than the vacation times. But these are, these are special times where it's just out of the norm. You're doing things with your family, but having an idea of what you value really helps you, uh, dictate what do we want to, to invest our, our time and our resources and our money in on family vacations. You know, I follow a lady on Instagram who has a large family and recently did this huge Europe trip. Um, and some people were like, how did you afford that? Well, for them, part of their family culture and their value system allowed them the freedom in those different, uh, ways to take a trip like that. Um, you know, they hadn't been taking a vacation once every year, um, to, to the beach town and spending the money on, on Disney every year or all of the amusement parks, you know, it, it helped them navigate that. Uh, Simeon's family a couple years ago went to Iceland. And while I thought the pictures were absolutely beautiful, um, like, Hiking ice is not in my value system. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if they went somewhere like tropical, that would have uh, been more of a temptation to me to join in on the family vacation. Uh, no, we had too many kids at the time. Um, but anyway, it helps you. It, it just helps narrow down uh, what do you want to do? What do you want to spend that money in? Um, and then we've talked about this. How do you invest your time? And that really leads us to what do we say yes to and what do we say no to? Um, you know, Simeon talked about just how he is, he is very busy, but he wants to say yes to family adventures. Now it can't happen every day. Sometimes it doesn't even happen every week. Um, you know, we had our huge family camping adventure recently and the next couple weeks uh, on the heels of that, we were playing catch up on a lot of things. So it, it didn't happen for a few weeks. And we but- worked hard the week before because we wanted to be free. Yeah for that whole week not have to be tied to our phones working while we were gone. So because it was a priority, we said yes for that week and no to working on that week. There's such a draw, you know, I I think too, especially as parents, you want your kids to be the best in academics. You want them to play the musical instrument. You want them to be the top sports star. You want to have them, uh, you know, in, in dance and gymnastics in, you know, X, Y, Z, there's just endless things, really extracurricular that your kids can get involved in. And especially if you've chosen to send them to a normal eight to three school time, you know, that, that already significantly decreases the time that you have to invest in some of these family culture things. So when you're piling extracurricular every night of the week, Gone is the family dinner table. Uh, Gone is the opportunity to do some of these things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do any of that. We do a lot of that. Um, But we have also had to realize there has to be a limit. If there is so much extra that it interferes with the things that we value most, if our schedule is so busy and so packed with running here and running there um, that we don't have a consistent time where we can have hospitality night as a family, something's out of whack, something's out of place, something has to go because hospitality is important to us. It is something we value and it is something that we are going to make time for. 
But if you don't have a clear family culture, a clear goal and, and things that you have set in mind, if that's not clear, then your yeses and your noes will be unclear to your children. Sometimes you say yes to this, and sometimes you say no, and they don't know why, and frankly, you don't know why. Um, and that's not good because, again, that gets back at that instability. The kids don't know where the family stands on anything. It doesn't mean you always say yes to this and always say no to this, but you ought to have a reason for why you do things, and it ought to be decent and in order, as the Scripture says. So, you know, like we've talked about the sleepover thing before, but we just don't do that. It's just a thing we don't do. If the kids ask, it's a no. And, you know, they're young right now, but as they get older, they'll just not ask because they'll know. It's it's not, we just don't do that. And it's, it's nothing against the people who want to have the kids over. I'm glad they have friends, you know, but it's not, it's, it's, ingrained as part of our culture. It's something we've decided on. Other things are probably not quite so decisive, but if you have a culture, I mean, the older your kids get, the more they're going to know what questions to ask and not ask without even asking you, because they're going to know what their culture is like. Well, and I mean, again, just perfect example, you mentioned the sleepover thing, but I feel like one of our uh, pieces of that culture statement was unity as a family. That does not mean that there's not room for friends, that they don't have friends, that or they that can't we don't hang have out arguments. with friends. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they, they enjoy that. But as far as evening time, nighttime, bedtime, um, that is sacred to us. That's family time. And, um, you know, hospitality is also important. So often we're having families over that have, you or know, we're that, going somewhere else. And yeah, else that are has friends of my children. Um, so there's other ways that, that that outlet can be fed. I'm thinking of another thing. Um, you know, we have just told our kids, hey, when we're in church, we sit together as a family. If your friends want to sit with us, as long as you're quiet and listening, that's fine. Um, but, but we sit together as a family. That is, again, the, that unity. This is something that this is just what we do. But the point is that those yeses and nos, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents because we don't plan, because we don't have a goal. We don't have a trajectory. If you have a trajectory, there's no pressure. Well, that, everything sounds good, you know, in the initial, yeah, I want to sign my kid up for that. Um, we have one child who just would do everything under the sun and would probably excel pretty well at, at it. Um, but right now, part of our, our family value is for our children to take music lessons. So we are willing to sacrifice the money. We're willing to rearrange things so that we have that room in the budget, that room in the time. Um, but for this season, you know, we're not going to sign them up for, I guess here it would be cricket. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? It, it would not support our family values in this season to have sports commitments multiple times a week. I mean, we're about to have a new baby. We're planning a church. What does our family really value right now? It's pretty obvious. It's not sports. And there and are decisions that are made for you. If you have a family culture, that doesn't mean that your culture or your statement is going to cover every decision you have to make in life. But your family's culture and trajectory is already set the goals that you have in mind. So every decision that you make from that point forward, first obviously goes past the scriptures. It needs to go through the scriptures first. But once it makes it through the scriptures on the other end, does it fit into what my family's focuses and goals are? And if the answer is no, well, then the decision's already been made for you. <laughs> it's it's pretty simple. It, it Honestly, this kind of thing, it gives focus to life and it simplifies 
the decision-making processes for your family. It really does. And I think it helps your kids. Like we said, you know, you're, we have several elements, I guess, of our family culture statement and not every child is going to be 100% passionate about every single one of those. Um, but because we made it, you know, Simeon and I, I guess made it, but, but we did it collectively with the family in mind, much of it, they all enjoy to varying degrees, but it's things they enjoy. So, you know, when we tell them, Hey, we're not going to do this because we want to have time for family adventure day. Uh, we want to have money so that we can, um, you know, buy our next read aloud with dad or, or whatever these things are that it kind of like clicks with them. Like, Oh yeah. It's not like, Oh, I have to give up this. Oh, you know, why can't I do that? It's like, Oh, okay. This is why. And I like the idea too, that our, our daily routines should support our mission and our family culture. Just what makes up the fabric of your everyday life um, really is foundation built upon these things. This is what you go from. And I, I saw the quote, I don't know who said it, um, but it said, you cannot change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction overnight. In Lamentations, uh, it writes about how God's mercies are new every morning. You know, maybe you're listening and you're like, whoa, I have not been intentional about this. We've just kind of been floundering as a family and I only have so many years left with my kids or whatever. You know, I know we all feel that guilt as parents. That time clock seems like it's ticking ever faster. Um, but you can change your direction. Um, and as you you change that direction bit by bit by bit, uh, your destination will change and you can pursue that. Something else I just, uh, in summary here and wrapping all of this up is just, I think of the saying Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, this is not something that, oh, you know, we're going to craft this family culture statement. We're going to get our family mission. And all of a sudden, you know, we are Brazzle and this is what, you know, we, we can put on a t-shirt. This is who we are. Um, you know, I, I read this quote. It says that this is years of soul work in the trenches of daily trial and error, but we are not building a house in two weeks. We're laying the foundation for a fortress that will withstand the harshest winds and the fiercest storms. We are building in a state of love that will serve as a safe haven for years to come. You know, this is, we talked about at the beginning, but this is, this is the long look. This is, you know, looking decades down the road um, and asking, where do we want to end up? Where do we want to be in 20, 30, 40 years? Um, where, when our children leave our home and reflect on their time and home, what do we want them to think on? Um, and, you know, that's just day by day, piece by piece, brick by brick, laying that foundation um, and just seeking to love God well, love our spouses well, and love our children well. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.